It's really no secret that email, now a critical function of just about everybody's daily lives, can also pose a huge threat from a cybersecurity standpoint. According to Verizon's 2018 Data Breach Investigations Report, email is the number one vector for both malware distribution at 92.4% and phishing, a whopping 96%. But now we have to worry about our refrigerators turning against us? Well, maybe. According to our guest today, it looks like IoT, or the Internet of Things, is on course to be the next biggest cybersecurity scourge. Pretty much all things smart, cars, the aforementioned fridge, watches, homes, and in the business world, those so-called headless devices, those that are used for processing information. The bad guys are turning them into cyber attack vectors. That's terrifying. So how are financial institutions and like pretty much everybody else, like how are we going to get ahead of this? Well, at CSI's recent customer conference, CX19, we sat down with Dan Collins, security technical solutions architect with Cisco to find out what financial institutions are up against and what they can do about IoT attack vectors. And he said, There's devices out there that are used in processing that don't have users behind them, but they don't get patched a lot, right? Because they're business critical and when you don't update, because it, you know, downtime means loss of revenue, right? Sure. Loss of dollars. Sure. You don't get the patches that maybe correct some of the vulnerabilities in those operating systems. I'm Laura Sewell. And I'm Andy Goldstein. We're excited to share the next episode in our FinTech Focus CX-19 podcast series, recorded live from our recent customer conference in Chicago. You're listening to FinTech Focus from CSI. Joining us now is Dan Collins, Security Technical Solutions Architect with Cisco. Dan, thanks for coming on the show. We're excited to talk to you about cybersecurity. Uh, thank you very much, Laura and Andy. Glad to be here. So we're going to talk a little bit about this um, a, a Cisco uh, initiative called Talos. Tell us a little bit about what Talos is. Is it a new group for Cisco, or what can you tell us? Sure can. Uh, first of all, Talos is... Cisco's really threat intelligence research arm. So when we think about cybersecurity and all the different types of threats that we hear in the news on a regular daily basis, either organizations having ransomware or being attacked, breach, data exfiltration, Talos behind the scenes is, is Cisco's threat research arm. And it's worldwide. It's got almost 300 researchers, analysts, uh, PhDs, doing all the kind of the uh, behind the scenes plumbing of threat intelligence and working with a lot of the three letter agencies, not just here in the US, but also abroad also. Talos has been around for, uh, uh, the name itself has been out probably since 2012, 2013 timeframe, but we've all, we, that was just a rebranding effort at that point. We've always had some threat intelligence within, the, within Cisco and ultimately that threat intelligence powers our solutions. What are some of the resources from which you gather your intelligence? I'm, I'm sure there are groups out there. How do you gather your intelligence? Uh, good question. Uh, some of it is through Cisco security portfolio. We've got a lot of different solutions, mm -hmm. whether it's for on endpoints, client-type devices that we all use, whether it's uh, based off your network, devices in your network, 
or even devices that you may have deployed out in the cloud, right? Cloud computing is obviously a big thing in the last several years. So there's a lot of different vectors or telemetry points of data within our own solutions, but we just don't stop there. We also work with a lot of the top major ISP providers, not just here in the US, but abroad also. So, and of course we work with the three letter agencies uh, that help provide a lot of telemetry also. So it is a collective effort, uh, but a lot of that is once again powered uh, with a lot of telemetry we get because Cisco, uh, from a security perspective, it is the, the number one security company out there. So we've got a lot of different types of devices deployed out there. And each device providing a different capability gives us a lot more telemetry. And we can harness that data, that threat intelligence, and make it actionable, right, for our end customers. And to protect them and give them a higher degree of efficacy, right, and, and block and detect those attacks. It also sounds like having that kind of a research wing helps Cisco be a little bit more proactive, too. You can kind of see what's coming before it actually comes you know, it does. It does with that telemetry. It doesn't have to be necessarily something that's malicious, but it could be just maybe traffic patterns, right? Behaviors that we're starting to see that a lot of times that's very indicative of, you know, reconnaissance type missions, right? You know, we a lot of think a lot of times we think of reconnaissance military, but from a cybersecurity perspective, a lot of organ they're starting to probe, right? Those with malicious intent, whether they're hacker groups, whether they're organizations, whether they're nation states, they're probing a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. And so getting that telemetry and being proactive is hu is a huge part of that. Yeah, and part of the the evolution of, of uh, hacking and cyber attacks is that once a group like Cisco shuts things down, and you're very prolific in shutting those things down, they're trying to find what's next. They're trying, to, like you said, they're, they're tapping. It's like they're throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what mm -hmm. sticks. So you have to stay ahead of the game to make sure that they don't find a way in. That is correct. In fact, it's it's, it's an arms race, right? It's uh, it's the good guys uh, versus the bad guys, yeah. and it's a never-ending fight. And uh, the reality is, we have to try to be right every time. Absolutely. And those with malicious intent, they can keep on probing and probing, and they only have to be right one time. Right. That's a good point. We wanted to ask you about a, a recent report that Cisco put out called "Defending Against Today's Critical Threats." It examines several attack vectors, such as uh, email infiltration and malicious crypto mining software. So putting on your uh, your predictive hat for a moment, getting out the crystal ball, what do you anticipate will be the biggest cybersecurity threats heading into the next decade in 2020? I think uh, obviously email is still that top threat. Sure. Uh, leveraging that, because it's a business critical function, right? That we all have, we all use. With that, ransomware, IOT type devices. Ransomware is very lucrative. Um, and IOT type devices, I think we're, IOT I think is the next frontier from a security perspective. So smart watches, fridges that are connected to the internet, all of that exactly. stuff. Exactly. Cars, connected cars. Sure. We're starting to see a lot of that in the news more and more. That is really the next frontier. Those, those headless devices, devices that we, we don't think of, we've always counted on. Now those are becoming, and we've already started seeing some of that, right? Sure. Hospitals, healthcare, regardless of industry, manufacturing, financial, there's devices out there that are used in processing that don't have users behind them, but they don't get patched a lot, right? Because they're business critical, they can't be down, so updating them on a regular basis like our laptops don't happen as often. And when you don't update, because it, you know downtime means loss of revenue, right? Sure. Loss of dollars. Sure. The problem with that is you don't get the patches that maybe 
correct some of the vulnerabilities in those operating systems. And as we've seen, not patching systems has led to some pretty serious breaches in the last few years. I believe the Equifax breach being one of those, right? Yep, Equifax. I think uh, one of the uh, common ones a couple years ago, um, WannaCry. Even yeah. those that were very non-technical heard about WannaCry, right? And, it, yeah. and unfortunately, it made a lot of companies WannaCry. So, yeah. uh, but that was a result of just lack of patching. Absolutely. And that was a huge ransomware attack. Yeah. You're listening to FinTech Focus. We're discussing the biggest cybersecurity risks for today and on the horizon with Dan Collins, Security Technical Solutions Architect with Cisco, recorded live from CX19 in Chicago. So... How are the hackers, the the attackers, using IoT devices? Can you give us a, a scenario of how they might use a smartwatch to cause trouble? Yep, uh, good question. Uh, the reason they're starting to target more and more of these IoT devices, number one, the education is getting out there that, you know what, we have to start patching our systems, patching our desktops, our servers, our client devices that we use, our, our phones, our smart devices, on a regular basis, more and more is getting out there. But unfortunately, as we mentioned just a little bit ago, the IoT type devices are not getting patched, right? Because that means production is down, processing's down. Right. So those with malicious intent, hackers, groups, nation states, they're targeting these IoT type devices because it gives them a foothold into the network, right? So maybe it's yeah. just a, 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 a it's an entry door, right? They can compromise it. They can maybe collect data as it's you know, passing through these devices, right? right? Whether it's credit card type processing machines, whether it's manufacturing, regardless of the industry, if they can be just kind of a, a sensor, a, a fly on the wall on that device, they can install a program, they're seeing that traffic to traverses, right? That traffic could be PII type information, right? Yeah. Credit card mm-hmm. type information. And they can sit there behind the scenes for a couple of years, correct? Yes, it's a lot of times it's uh, it's it's usually not days or weeks. It's a lot of times months, right? Some of it's just reconnaissance, right? They're not going to do anything active, but they're collecting as much as they can. And some of the the common breaches that we see in the news more and more, it's they've lived in the environment for months, right. if not right. a couple of years. And with these IoT devices and and what you see coming, what what do what do financial institutions and other organizations do and what can you tell them to do to try to thwart some of these attacks? I think it's a multi-pronged approach, in all honesty. I think uh, you have to have the, the security technologies and capabilities uh, that are market-leading. Uh, that's one element. But also there has to be a communication, sharing uh, the, you know, the solutions themselves because there's a lot of different security technologies out there. In fact, when you think of all the different type of uh, technology industries out there, security, uh, collaboration, mm-hmm. and, and, and enterprise networking, security is the most fragmented one out there, meaning mm-hmm. there's a lot of different point product vendors out there. We've got some competitors, and definitely not bashing them because we've got some good competitors out there. But one of the things that causes not just financial institutions, but a lot of any vertical, any industry is when you have disparate systems that don't talk to each other. Yes. The threat landscape is very dynamic, right? A website that you and I go to on a regular basis right now could be very good, well-known, mm-hmm. it's safe to go to. But two minutes from now, guess what? It's been hijacked, right? And you click on a link on that website mm-hmm. that you go to that's very reputable. Guess what? Now it's 
redirects you to a, a malware site, right? So that's very critical to, uh, to understand the threat landscape's dynamic. Well, guess what? Our security posture and our solutions within our organizations, within financial institutions, they have to be very dynamic also. Yeah, and that's, it's interesting you bring up disparate systems in regard to security. I mean, you know, obviously CSI is a, is a presence in regulatory compliance. And we hear a lot in regard to watch list screening. I think those uh, firms that have separate systems that are screening different things, it, it's just, you, you know, you look at the numbers. Inevitably, if you have several different systems screening for the same thing, something's going to get missed. And it's a common issue that, we, that we've seen out there. That, right, the, that the systems don't speak to each other. Exactly right. Yep, and that's, uh, that adds to the complexity, right? And yeah. complexity is an ultimately is the enemy of security. All right, I want to I dig a little bit into some more cybersecurity elements, and, and we mentioned earlier that email is still sort of the number one attack vector there. I wanted to dive in and, and not, to, not to put out any ideas out there or anything, but I wanted to talk to you about some of those methods. Um, can, you, can you shed some light on a few of those that, um, that are maybe some of the current trends now in uh, hackers using email to get in? Like what, what are you seeing now that seems to be some of the bigger trends in that? Yeah, uh, one of the biggest trends is uh, phishing domains or, yes. bus- you know, sometimes you hear the term business email compromise. And, and really what that is is sending an email, maybe posing coming from a legitimate uh, domain, a legitimate location. Right. And there's a little bit nuance in the domain that it's coming from. Instead of an L, it might be a 1, right? That might, you know... So end users don't pick up on that. They just say, okay, it looks legitimate just because we're glancing at it, right? right? So when you're doing that, obviously, you know, you get an email, you think that's legitimate. There's a link in there. Hey, please click on this. We're doing a survey or we need feedback. Clicking on that link, just because it says it's a reputable site in that link, mm-hmm. when it gets redirected, it could go to a malicious site that right. very much looks like a reputable website that right. we would all go to and guess right. what it wants you to put in your username and password your credentials so that's a that's probably the most common threat today and the biggest threat that we're seeing in the industry from an email perspective and phishing domains and business email compromises getting those credentials because once mm-hmm. i have those credentials i've got a lot of access right and and we see that w- with um a, a person's employer can or or supposedly the person's employer if if you don't look you're used to seeing that domain and it's changed just a little bit you might not notice so they're asking for an employee for you to take a survey and you click on that link and lo and behold it's not really your employer it is it's just a it's a high-tech form of social engineering right right years ago this still happens but sometimes it used to be hey you get a call Someone posing from the help desk, right? Oh, I need your credentials because we're checking something. But guess what? They're from somewhere else that's not even a part of your company. So it's just a high-tech form of social engineering now. Yep. You also uh, are, are speaking at CX-19 about vendor proliferation. Um, what difficulties does it present to financial institutions, and how can they ease that burden? Yeah, vendor, vendor proliferation, that was one of the things that was called out in this recent study earlier this year that uh, – more and more organizations are, are, are recognizing that they've got a lot of different security capabilities that are needed in the environment, but the problem is they don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Disparate systems, what we were mentioning right. earlier, so that poses a problem that, okay, how do we, how do we uh, respond and react when there is a 
threat you know, issue out there that's very dynamic, the, so, the solutions have to be able uh, to speak to each other right. to, to provide that protection very dynamically. Final question, and I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a big one because I think it's going to be the most helpful to our audience. So after all that we've talked about, phishing and social engineering, what advice do you have for banks on combating those threats, specifically email threats? I mean, as we've mentioned, these phishing emails have become so sophisticated, the body of the email can look exactly like a regular email, but one letter can be off in the domain, and that's very hard to detect. So what advice do you have for financial institutions to pick that stuff up? A couple things. One is obviously having security capability solutions that can protect against those threats. But one thing that we do recognize that there is no silver bullet out there, right? Regardless right. of vendor, whether it's Cisco, even our competitors, and we've got some excellent competitors out there, no one's cornered the market on this, right? So sure. if so, we wouldn't be here talking about it today. We wouldn't, <laughs> exactly. we wouldn't have a job. So outside of the security solutions, a couple things that could be done, for especially in the financial institutions, um, one is education, your, your, your user base, right? Your end user base, educating them, hey, before you click on something, let's be a little bit more diligent, more prudent about that email and looking through. We all get in a hurry, right? So, right. Uh, and, and we're all guilty of that. So definitely doing that as far as education. And there's, there's education programs out there. Uh, in fact, there's free programs out there that are located on a few different sites that we can definitely uh, highlight uh, later in the session today that, hey, these are programs you can use. The other thing is exercises. And what I mean by exercises is that sometimes it's, it's not a matter of if something's going to happen, it's when it happens. Yep. A lot of times what we're finding, and we see this a lot in the news recently, is you know, some of the city governments getting hit with ransomware. Yes. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you respond? And sometimes there ends up being a debate. Do we pay the ransom mm-hmm. or do we not pay the ransom? And do Go through some exercises, just like the military goes through training exercises. Tabletop exercises. Ex- bingo. <laughs> bingo. You took the words right out of my mouth. So practice what's going to happen. So that's huge. For, for our audience that uh, unfortunately would be unable to attend your session later, would you mind throwing out some of those educational resources for the folks listening uh, on, in their cars or on their phones? Like, What are some of the sites that you trust for education against this stuff? Yeah, there, there's a, uh, a national, uh, I, I don't have the URL with me, uh, I, will, I will definitely, uh, but there's a national cybersecurity awareness training program. Gotcha. So if you Google that, that will actually come up with a site and it has different programs that actually highlight that. Perfect. Dan Collins, thank you so much for joining us on FinTech Focus today. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and uh, thanks for, for giving some great advice to our listeners Appreciate out there. your insight. Thank you, Thank Dan. you. Glad to be here. That's it for this week's episode of FinTech Focus. Thanks again to Cisco's Dan Collins for joining us, and we appreciate all of you for listening. To learn more about Cisco Talos, check out talosintelligence.com. That's T-A-L-O-S. We recorded several more episodes live at CX-19 with guests including ICBA President and CEO Rebecca Romero-Rainey and Sarah Fossey, the Information Security Officer at Banterra Bank. In the meantime, you can listen to the entire archive of FinTech Focus on our website, csiweb.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. We'll talk to you soon.